dead. It's The Stansberry Show, Rock 106.9. Welcome to The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. As we continue Rock 106.9's workday double pay, you'll get hooked up with $1,000, 10 after each hour. We'll give you a keyword. You text in. You win some cash. Joined every morning by Matthew Fantone, who you'll be able to catch live in person Saturday from 11 to 1, I believe it is, at the Napa 204 East Main Street in Louisville. I will be there. I will be there. Nice. We have to uh, we have to start this show off in a little bit of a somber uh, manner this morning. You may be waking up to the news that frontman for Audio Slave and more uh, more famously Soundgarden, Chris Cornell, has died. Now, we've already gone through the log and we've uh we have added Audio Slave and added some Soundgarden to uh to the musical selections for you this morning. Soundgarden and Audio Slave will be widely represented because I maintain that Chris Cornell was the best voice in that whole Seattle scene. Like I think he had the best vocal ability out of all those Seattle. Wasn't my wasn't necessarily my favorite band. But he could, man, that dude, Chris could sing anything. I, I think it's undeniable out of the Seattle scene. I think the more appropriate statement might be is one of the greatest voices in rock history. You think so? Oh, yeah. You ready to Mount Rushmore, Chris Cornell? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll, dude, I'll put him in a. And it's not like, like you said, not my top four, but I can certainly make room for him being one of the greatest. I mean, he had four octaves. I, I know people who aren't like musically inclined don't like necessarily understand that, but to have that much diversity in your voice, like that is unbelievable. I mean, Axel's got a few, right? right let's see how many Axel has. But dude, I mean, compare Axel's voice, the quality of voice versus Cornell's voice, not even close. If if, if you can compare octave range, sure, that's good for Axel. Yeah, Chris but, always sounded like he was singing next to you in the car. Right, dude. I mean, listen to that. You know, and we always say this, we're the show that tries not to go overboard when celebrities die, but I will say, like, a guy said to me in the hallway this morning, I'll give him, I gotta give him credit for it, Tony, who does some shifts here at Rock 106.9, said to me, he goes, I now know what my dad feels like, you're like, all my rock heroes are dead, and I was like, oh my god, like, you're right, like, oh my god. Well, I mean, judging by the the grayness of Captain Tony's beard, I'm not surprised his <laughs> Bro, rock icons yeah. are dying off. Bro, there. You, yeah, you should feel like your dad already. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You you look older than your father. Yeah. Um, but it really is something. I mean, Chris Cornell, like I said, I think one of the greatest male vocalists in rock music history. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know. I, I got to think on that. I mean, it's a good thing we have a show in front. Of us <laughs> yeah, I got a few hours to go. Yeah. Um, and. I don't want to like make it about Northeast Ohio or Ohio or anything like that. But, but Rock on the Range. Headlining Friday night well, yeah, of what Rock do you on do? the Range. What do you do? I mean, here's the thing about Rock on the Range. Is that there's like 9,000 headlining bands that aren't headlining. So I guess oh, you, yeah. could, you could bump somebody up. But if you had like, like if a bus got like late or something, you could bump somebody up. and it wouldn't, This is going to feel like a hole bumping somebody up. Yeah, I mean, you just can't take Bush and be like, hey, Bush, come Get headline. Get up there, right. play three hours. Right. I mean, it's got to... I mean, does Eddie Vedder come in and do this? Well, Pearl Jam action right there. I mean, does the Eddie day. Vedder come in and save the day? Well, like, you don't have anybody else from that scene to depend on. You, yeah, you, you can't you get can't, Lane Staley to nope, do it. Nope, you can't get can't, STP to do it. 
Oh, you know who they might get? Who's that? I could see Dave Grohl stepping up for this. Yeah. Tied to the Seattle scene. Yeah. Knows all those guys. I could see Dave Grohl coming in, getting like a super group of like Seattle dudes. Right. And like they run through like a bunch of stuff. I could see that happening. Wow, what a good idea, man, I am, right? Somebody put me on the payroll making good decisions. This was sad to hear about. I I know I'm the guy that's like, stop crying about celebrity death. But, like, the Seattle scene, obviously, huge in my high school years. And I did get to interview Chris in person. Like, he sat in the studio. And that was, like, a cool day. I remember that. That was, like, during the audio slave years. Actually, no. That was when he did the album with Timberland. When he came out and did that whole thing. And I thought that album was good. I thought that album was good. That album had like five songs off of it that I loved. Yeah, he could sing his ass off, man. So you're going to hear a lot of Soundgarden, a lot of Audio Slave today. And a lot about what will be your Eastern Conference Finals champions, your Cleveland Cavaliers. You're going to hear a lot about them as well. Actually, we'll do that next after getting you hooked up with this $1,000 right now. Fuck 106.9. Isaiah Thomas defending on LeBron James. So James with the spin, scores, and a foul. A little sound from last night's Game 1 Eastern Conference Finals where uh, your Cavaliers were victorious, I believe. Was it 114-107? Trounce them. I have that right? Yes. Uh, If you have not heard, Chris Cornell, lead singer, Soundgarden, Audio Slave, uh, did some time with Temple of the Dog, that whole thing. Passed away. Uh, there are rumors that it's suicide. I don't know that to be true, so I don't really want to be out there saying it was suicide. Uh, I- I'll tell you, he's 52, or was 52, I should say. I- I- the first thing I said to Fantone was, this was drugs, right? Like, 52 is kind of young, just, just like be going. I didn't even think suicide. Yeah, that's news reports, not just not just rumors. Like, yeah, that's, Fox Eight is where I heard that. Yeah, first. so yeah, who knows? Obviously, those details will develop as the morning goes on. But sad, no matter how you cut it. Yeah, I don't know what Rock on the Range does. I I think my idea is the best. I think you call Dave Grohl and you have him put together a super group of '90s grunge musicians, and they get out there and do a medley of all of it. Go Super Bowl halftime show. Um, it is going to feel like a whole Friday night at Rock on the Range. Yeah. I mean, it's going to feel like a huge, it's going to be, I mean, what do they do? I mean, they got like a day and a half to get like a huge tribute together. Now, luckily, we live in the digital age, so people, you know what I mean? Somebody's on a laptop right now getting like a slideshow put together. I'm sure, I would think. I, I got to be honest, I'm going to Rock on the Range. And I want to see the whole thing. I, I'm not not telling people not to get, but this was like one of the reasons I was going. Legitimately, I was like, well, Soundgarden Friday night is one of those things I want to see. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, uh, seeing Chris Cornell perform would you know always be worth it. Soundgarden being back together and doing their thing again, like, yeah, why wouldn't you want to go be a part of that? But I mean. You know, opportunity loss there. So uh, we will keep you updated throughout the morning if uh, any more info should come out. And when, like I said, we'll be playing you some Soundgarden audio slave Temple of the Dog pretty much all morning long. But the Cavaliers were in action last night. They did win game one. We have a little audio from what LeBron thought about the game. Let's run that down. It's the mindset that you have to have when you go on the road for game one. You can't, can't start the game off, you know, lax or shooting a bunch of jump shots. Um, 
you know, and that's my mindset. We got guys that can that can shoot the heck out of the ball, and uh, obviously Kev showed that tonight. You know, but for myself, you know, I have to be in attack mode and um, just put the pressure on the defense and, and see what happens. And I was able to do that and kind of just set the tone early, you know, on what we needed to do. And once, you know, once I started to see the defense start to crack in, then I started to find my shooters. And I don't even think we played, you know, that great tonight. I and mean, we definitely didn't shoot the ball, you know, as well as we capable of shooting. I know Kyle had a three or four very, very good looks that he missed. Um, you know, when we had a good stretch, but, you know, I think the energy and the effort um, and the mindset was where it needed to be starting to, um, starting on the road, especially in the East Conference Finals. I don't want to overanalyze, but is it weird to call Kyle Korver out for missing four shots like that just I don't think solo? That, I don't think that was necessarily a call out. I think that was more just like a hey, that's what IE example. Here's right. what I'm talking about. Okay. That's what happened. And honestly, I you know, I think LeBron's hundred percent spot on when he said it. Like they didn't play that well last night. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was a dominating game. At no point did I feel like the Cavaliers were going to lose that game. Um, but the bench didn't score very much at all yesterday. I think it was I think it was under ten points from the bench, and they just missed wow. a, missed a ton of three pointers and like like, that's almost a little bit reassuring of like, you know, you can go out there, you can trounce this team. I mean, 117 to 104, and it wasn't even that close. I mean, I, I feel like... Yeah, sometimes basketball games, the score will seem closer than the game was. Yeah, and I, I don't even feel like it was that close. So I, I definitely think the Cavs have another level, which is awesome to see when you already look like you're putting forth a championship quality product right there. All right, so I didn't see a whole lot of this game. I, I turned it on, I started to watch it, but I had played 18 holes yesterday, so your boy's a little tougher. Out yeah. and so, like, I didn't make it all the way through the game. So, like, you watch this. Yes, I did. Are you are you more likely to think that they are going to sweep now or less after um, watching after game last one? night, dude? It, it seems inevitable that there was a sweep. Um, you know, all throughout the week we'd been talking about it. I kept saying Cavs and five. Yeah. Um, I am going to have to say Cavs and four at this point. I don't understand how you as a team in, in Boston are going to be able to come back from that. I mean, it was just a dominating performance. And like I said, they didn't even, Cavs didn't even hit their highest gear. Cavs didn't even hit their, their, their peak. So it's like, dude, if you couldn't beat them, you know, coming off of that game seven and coming off of that momentum and you've got the crowd on your side, See, I everybody think, wants to be able, like, you know, you, you just, I think that's you just what hurt them. Pick. I think that's what hurt them. I mean, you had to go and that. That just shows you right there they're not ready for LeBron and company. I mean, do you had to go seven games with Washington? It took everything you had to beat them, and I think they're just worn. I think Boston's probably just worn out. Yeah, I mean, it's an emotionally exhausting thing to do to go through a seven game series, and, and then to know like we it just took us everything we had to get there, and now this challenge is even harder than the one that just took that just took us to the limit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, right? uh, you, you, yes, you win a game seven, and then you have to go face LeBron and, then LeBron's and company. LeBron's what's waiting for you, uh, dude. It's Say, that'd be a tough pill to swallow. Uh, LeBron, I almost want to lose. LeBron had a, an absolutely fantastic night last night. Um, worth noting that uh, since LBJ came into the league, this is from Nick Wright. Uh, since LeBron has come into the re, to, into the league, yeah, he's a LeBron homer. Oh, he's a, he's a LeBron homer. There's no question. But you can't. I no, mean, but he's but, normally right. But when you when you back it up with facts, like he yeah. does, I mean, what do you? What, what yeah, else you, do you can't want? argue with it. There's been 19 total playoff games where a player has had at least 37, nine, and seven. LeBron James has had. 50 15 of them. 15 of them. That's, dude, it's un- it's otherworldly. Like, he- he's just on another level of-, of greatness. Here's how good LeBron James is. 
Here's how good he is. This is his 14th year, right? And the NBA lottery was just like, what, two nights ago or whatever it was? Mm-hmm. Roundtable shows spent two days, two days talking about how teams were going to draft and what they were going to do to still maintain, to like maintenance, like maintain like the LeBron era. Do we wait? Is he going to be great for five more years? What do we do? Like in his 14th year, teams are still trying to figure out how they draft, what they do to deal with him. Guys, That's how good he is. Guys are leaving the East. Dudes don't yeah. want to play in the Eastern Conference because they know they can't take out LeBron-led Cavaliers. Um, we're looking at what is going it's to be. It's kind of like when DeLuca up and quit his job because <laughs> Because he knew he was never going to be able to beat this show. We are looking at at what is going to be the seventh consecutive um, NBA Finals appearance by LeBron James, which is, I mean, it just blows your mind when you start thinking about stuff like that. And I, I mean, I don't want to get into hot takeville here. Oh no! Uh, but dude, I honestly think comes. I honestly think LeBron might be getting better. And I don't mean he's getting into a better athletic he a, role. But he had his most efficient year. He's he's a smarter basketball player. He has better he has better court vision now than he ever has. Well, think about this: you're better on the radio today than you were in year two. Oh, there's no question about that. But my body doesn't have anything to do with that. Yeah, but you can make him better intelligent decisions now. Most guys can't though. You know what I'm saying? In a basketball capacity, once your athletic ability starts to fade, dude, it's like all right, I reached my peak. The brain starts to panic. Right, LeBron, such a good basketball. Player, yeah, but he such, freezes his body and all that. Such stuff. a complete dude that he's going. I'm telling you right now, like I, I don't know what happens in the NBA Finals. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't look into it. Um, but I do know that that window's not shutting anytime soon for the Cavaliers. It's I, not okay. I, I agree that I don't think physically it is. I maintain. I think LeBron James is going to step away before people think he's going to. I don't know. I, don't I know. think he's going to. I think. Do the guy is he is. He's right. There's really nothing left he can prove because ultimately he knows most people are never going to give him the Jordan title because he's lost NBA finals. Even if he wins seven. Even, right. if, he, even if he goes over They're Jordan, not going to give it to him. They're not going to give it to him because he didn't go undefeated in the finals. And, you know, you can sling that that Mavs like, uh, I mean, he did. He kind of fell apart in that series. And that's like the big thing slung around his neck. He knows he's not going to overcome it. I think he's judging himself differently. And I think... LeBron James may step away before people realize he will. For as impressive as LeBron James was last night, I would be uh, I, I would be greatly falling down on my duties here if I didn't mention number one, Kevin Love, thirty two points, absolutely uh, just in a, just one of the most efficient performances in basketball I felt like I ever saw last night. The dude was just doing everything right on both ends of the floor. And uh, Tristan Thompson, man, I've said it time and time and time again, but that guy just earning his paycheck, earning his Kardashian, quietly dude, going about it too, just doing his damn thing. And Tristan Thompson haters, dude, you can suck it long and hard today. Jesus, he's and, and I, I, you know, I bet you would have to. That <laughs> that's the way that would go. Be careful before you buy stuff from yard sales. I'll tell you why next on the Stansbury Show. I'm Canton's Rock Station, Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show on Rock 106.9. Start your weekend out Saturday from 11 to 1 out at uh, Napa on 204 East Main Street in Louisville. Phantom will be there hanging out for a couple hours. He'll have some tickets for you. Get you hooked up with some cool stuff for some cool events. Louisville, I'm coming for you, baby. We'll be there. Oh, man. Let's hope you get out of there. Might have to make a stop. You're right. After Napa. Yeah. You know where you might find your boy. Yeah. Lapping around. <laughs> a couple of laps, dude. <laughs> Let's take them. Doing a couple of laps. Getting hot. Yeah, I think that might have to happen. Maybe I'll show up. <laughs> I'll be in Columbus. Yeah, I'm coming down Saturday night. Was the uh, was the plan? 
initially. So you know what? I uh, for those of you that maybe have not heard, Chris Cornell yeah. passed away. There are reports that it's suicide. I have not seen that confirmed anywhere. It's uh, you know people are hearing that. I have not seen it confirmed as of yet. Um, but obviously set the headline Rock on the Range Friday night, and that was the whole. Honestly, like don't get me wrong, I want to see Metallica too on Sunday night for sure. I do. But Soundgarden was like a huge reason as to one of the, well, I was like, dude, I gotta find a way into this. And my plan was to go down late tomorrow night and like kind of like get down there just enough time to catch them and then kind of spend all day Saturday, all day Sunday down there. And now I don't know if I'm gonna go down because I'm staying with friends down there who got like a bank of hotel rooms and they're like, yeah, you can just crash in a different room every night. And so that's kind of what I'm gonna do. And, uh, I don't know. I was like, I, I don't feel the urgency now. And I keep saying, I, I think what they're going to have, not what they have to do, but what a good idea to do is to reach out to Dave Grohl and have him put together like a 90s like super group. Right. And then, you know, get Eddie Vedder to maybe come right. in and you get those two guys. And now you play a little Nirvana, play a little Soundgarden, play a little Alice in Chains, play a little Pearl Jam. And now it's like this thing that's especially from Rock on the Range, you know, it's going to be on like, what's that? Access TV or whatever, yep. and it'll be like this thing that's like documented for all time, and it'll be really cool. It could be really cool. Yeah, I mean, you can't just you know we were talking about yeah. There's a ton of headlining bands that are playing rock on the range. Yeah, you know, all killer, no filler. Um, but you can't just say Bush get up there and go do it. It's 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 not going to fill that void. You have to put something special there, and by something special, yes, Supergroup would certainly do it. I mean. I- I think it's the best idea. I said to Fantone during the break, I said, maybe what you do is you just have Metallica play Friday and Sunday, right? I mean, who's going to argue with that? You're not going to argue against that, but that would be the case if the bus broke down. That would be the case Versus, if- like, somebody died. That's We have to, like, make this, like, not that Metallica isn't special, but you kind of have to go over the top. Yeah, if okay. Chris Cornell had food poisoning, Metallica playing Friday Stepping and Sunday. Stepping up in the moment. Perfect. Yeah. That would be awesome, but Chris Cornell... And a little bit more than food poisoning, it seems. Here's what's interesting. What's that? In my mind, corn doesn't even fit the bill. As they're headlining Saturday night, I'd be like, that's not enough. You, If yeah. it's not Metallica, corn wouldn't be enough. Yeah. Metallica would at least be enough. But I'm with you. That's more if the bus breaks down, somebody sick can't make the stage. Hey, we'll step up. We'll do this. Um, I wonder maybe if they're going to go the complete opposite way. And maybe they just reach out to big bands who maybe aren't on the road right now or who are, who could maybe work it in their schedule. I mean, imagine, dude, what if they sub in Guns N' Roses? It would fit. That would be that would be enough. Big enough crowd to make to where Axel would be like, you know what? Yeah, that's worth our time. It's got to be. Well, and I mean, Chris Cornell just died, so I figure that that, that right. a, a band is going to want that. A guy with a lot of octave to be able to hit some of those songs. And it, the band that fills that void is going to want that positive press. At the end of the day, right. you can act like it's not like a, a, a positive light on your band, but it totally but is. But it would be. So, 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 of course, you'd want to do something like that. Um, you know the first, like... Coming together of Soundgarden, dude, 1984. Yeah. 1984. That's the same year I was born, bro. Like, that, dude, that's crazy to me. Yeah, it's... People don't understand how long it takes. Especially back then, dude. I mean, seven years of, of, of being obscure. In six different bands, trying to find the right members of each one, trying to find what will work and what won't. It's just... 84. That's a lot. 84. That's a long time. It was sad. I mean, you know, we're that show. We try not to, like, go overboard when a celebrity dies, but I just, 
52. It's young. And uh, you know what I mean? He was supposed to play Friday night, tomorrow night. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Two hours away. We In gave front away, of us. Right. We, we gave away tickets to this thing like for months. I, wow. I did read this at WRQK.com. I did read this. A woman in Florida got pulled over, was arrested, and uh, and she, at first, Fantone, she gets out of the car and runs. Okay. Cop catches her. She says, I'm pregnant and I have to poop. And then uh, they end up like wrestling her down to the ground. They arrest her. They found methamphetamine in her bra. Uh-oh. Now, you're caught at that point. Yeah. What do I always say? Once the cops have you, just put your hands up, let them put the cuffs on you, and just go in. And, like, honestly, the, all that stuff will get presented to the judge. And if you run and all this stuff, it's only going to make it worse for you once, you know, sentencing comes. Right. When you're caught, you're caught. Right. But she decides, you know what? I'm going to lie to the cops. I'm going to out, even though I'm high on methamphetamine and I'm running probably without shoes down the street in Florida, I'm going to outsmart cops. And no, you're not. She told him, you know, she tried to tell these people. You know what she tried to tell these cops? Well, I bought this bra at a yard sale, and so there was probably meth in it. Now, I believe if you bought a bra and started at a yard sale, there could be meth in it. But aren't you going to, I mean, how many different places? The bra is only the hiding spot once it's covering you, right? Because it's that's where um, you slide it. And- unless there's, unless you can like, if if you can like slide stuff into the bra. If there's like, you know what I mean. If there's like padding that you could like slide stuff into, I, I can barely figure out how to unhook it. Let I, alone try to how to how to get more things into it. I think I, I mean you know if it, it was up against her skin and the in between the skin and the bra, then yeah, you don't have much of a case. But if it was actually inside of the bra, I mean, I think it's reasonable. Like that's a, a high place women would definitely use. Okay, I'm going to swing this monitor around. You're going to take one look at, at, at Christina Sorrow, and you tell me if you think this is the first time she's used yeah, method. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe not the best excuse for her. Busted, totally guilty. I'm pregnant and I have to poop. She's screaming as she's running away. Hey, now, I'm not trying to give you excuses of Here like, hey, you can get away with this, but there's definitely times you buy something, you don't necessarily know what you're buying. This, you know, it would be a lot better if this chick wasn't a meth head. If this was just like a woman who was like, oh my God, I bought this second hand. And I found this in here. But my, my buddy bought a car once, and his, like the car, he bought it from like one of those like repossession auctions. You know what I mean? Okay, like, yeah, yeah. Or, like one of those. My buddy does that all the time. And he was cleaning out the car. And he noticed that, like, he could pull the floor mat up a little bit. And so he starts to, like, pull the floor mat up, dude. Underneath of it, he finds, like, 500 bucks of, like, 100s, like, crumpled up. And, like, really? like, like and, dude, you know that was a dope boy car. Somebody, sure it was. Somebody driving around, slanging weed out of it. I'm surprised the cops didn't find that. And they're just pushing that money down in the floor mat right there. And he was just like, I didn't even know what to do with it. He's like, but, what else, it. but what else is in that car? You know what I mean? Like, what else could have been in that car? Like, if there would have been, if there would have been coke in there, if there would have been five hundred dollars worth of, of drugs in there, as opposed to five hundred, you know, hundred dollar bills, like my buddy would have been in a much different situation there. Oh yeah, you find coke versus yeah. see the dog probably found the drugs. Maybe they couldn't sniff out the cash. That's probably what happened there. I, I don't. I'm purely, you know, speculating. I have no idea. We are uh, hooking you up with some cash, though. We have a thousand dollars every single hour, ten after. Actually, you get hooked up after Soundgarden Outshine next. The Stansberry Show on Canton's Rock Station, Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show, Rock 106.9. You're minutes away now from getting hooked up with another thousand dollars with our workday double pay. If you're just waking up, you may have not heard Chris Cornell. Frontman for Soundgarden, Audio Slave, did a little time in Temple of the Dog, Mother Love Bone, a couple of other uh, projects. 
has passed away. There are um, reports of suicide. I have not seen confirmation on that as of yet. I, I, I guess I can't necessarily argue with it. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, why? My not? first thought was drugs. The, the, the first morning, you know, when I heard it, I was like, he's 52 years old. He's on tour. You get a little bored. Next thing you know, you're doing a little blow and you're 50. And uh, you know what I mean? Things can happen. I thought it was drugs for sure. That's what I thought. Hey, you know, obviously there's 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 a, a great combination of things it could be. I mean, you know, certainly the the idea of drugs and like, well, f it, I'm just going to keep doing more drugs until I die, yeah. or you know, drugs kind of being the well, f it, I'm just going to hang myself now or shoot myself now or whatever it is. Not too much of a stretch to think a combination of the two. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy. I um, you know, I was talking a little earlier this morning about how I got lucky enough to interview Chris Cornell, actually more than once, but uh, one of the times he was actually like in the studio, sitting right next to me, acu- just he and acoustic guitar playing, Jeez. and then we got to talk to him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, to, to, sit, cool. to sit three feet away from that guy as he sat there and played with an acoustic guitar and nothing else, and he could flat out do it. Like, he could, I mean, he was amazing, like, right there, and... I follow some of my uh, some of my radio brethren on Instagram, and my buddy Java Joel, who does afternoons up in Cleveland, just posted a picture of he and Chris from that day, and I it made me think about like I don't have that. I maybe somewhere deep in my Facebook I have a picture of all of us with Chris that day, but like I have been very bad about when celebrities are in the buildings of like getting in the photo. Like there are people who work in this business that, who don't care about like being that person. I always am like. Dude, they're they're going to 700 radio stations in the next two days. Everybody wants five minutes, including listeners, staff, everything else. Most of the time, it's people that don't even really care, and they know it, and they're just stuck there. And I just been like, you know, I'm going to make this faster for these people. But now, I wish I had that photo of me and Chris Cornell. I do. I really wish I had it. I'm I'm very much in the same way throughout my career. I've I've been like, oh, dude, I want to be the guy asking for pictures because you're right, dude. You know, a, an artist comes into a place and the lady they don't want to do it. Well, the lady that works in HR takes a picture with right. him, and the lady in HR has zero. My daughter clue loves you. And right. Zero clue who this person is, right. what who they are. Either that, or you've got like the super fanboy guy who's like, oh my god, dude, I'm gonna tell you about every single thing you've done in your career and dude I'm such a, I'm such a big fan of yours I know you wrote Outshined in that hotel room in Portland and right, yeah, exactly, right. Exactly. And, and you don't want to be those guys but I guess you don't want to be the two dudes that are sitting here saying like hey I've met a ton of famous people and I have zero pictures of it you know I you know people used to tell me all the time it's because you don't have kids if you had kids you would want to document so that way when they grew up you'd be like damn look at all the things my dad did like yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. and that's probably true. And I honestly, they're 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 right there is enough for me to be like, dude, maybe I should start being a little change bit- away, start right. being an autograph hound, right? Maybe I need to start being a little bit See? more. You're worried about being a poon hound. <laughs> Should have been autograph <laughs> celebrity photos. Let's get you hooked up with this thousand dollars right now. One zero six nine. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show, Rock one zero six nine. Your next chance at a thousand dollars happens at eight ten. We'll give you your next keyword for our workday double pay at 810. Then 930 this morning, we'll get you hooked up with those rancid and dropkick Murphy tickets. And as we are out tomorrow, I want to uh, make you aware that you can find Fantone this weekend from 11 to 1 Saturday. He'll be at the Napa store, 204 East Main Street in Louisville. Well, Napa action right there. You boys excited. That'll be a good time. So... Dallas Mavericks owner, Shark Tank member, yeah, Mark Cuban, 
spend some time on uh, on one of my favorite programs, the Dan Patrick Show. Uh, Dan Patrick being one of my broadcast idols. Rightfully so, dude. DP I, pretty good. DP damn good. Yeah. I uh, I just... Not double penetration. It's not what we're talking about. Dan Patrick is what we're talking about. All right. If you want to <laughs> knock DP, that's on you. I'm I'm not knocking that. I uh, you know what? Yeah, let's get let's, let's get let's get into Mark Cuban. Not both of us, but like. Oh my god! I feel like Eddie Murphy. I'm yeah. laughing at my own jokes. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. There, he's funny. That guy's all right. That guy might make it. That guy might make it. But Mark Cuban was on the Dan Patrick show the other day, not talking about double penetration no. at all. Not no. not one time did either one of those guys do <laughs> That's why they're broadcast professionals. That's why they have the jobs they have, and this is why we have the jobs. I was going to say, have. I'm pretty sure Dan Patrick has a Marconi. They sent him to the Olympics. He hosts football night in America. He's like the most palatable dude alive. That's my idol, and I spend my day talking about, you know, make America great anus tattoos and, like, chicks being called. With meth in their bra and Chris Cornell dying, and like, and I wonder, like, I wonder why I'm not successful. <laughs> Maybe that's why. But he was, uh, Mark Cuban sat down with Dan Patrick, and I thought he had some interesting things to say about what happens in the NBA when you're no longer competitive. The, the problem is, if you know you're in rebuild, then you tank super early and you lose your games early so that you get eliminated from the playoffs early and get more ping pong balls. But I don't know if you're going to be that good that you're going to be winning games if you're, ten, you know, you're not that good in the first well, no, place. No, but I mean, it's like, look, you know, we all, you know, the Mavs, once we were eliminated from the, the playoffs, we did everything possible to lose games. Now, hold, we're going to stop right there. Once we knew we were eliminated from the playoffs, we did everything possible to lose games. That's the owner of a pro sports team saying that. Like, we know this. Right? This is one of those things. Like, you turn on the TV, and you know this happens in sports, but to pull the curtain all the way back, to just admit it flat to your fans like that, I can't imagine De- I can't imagine the NBA likes this, right? I can't imagine they like hearing that. You know, the Mavs, once we were eliminated from the, p- the playoffs, we did everything possible to lose games. And so if we did it up front, if we knew okay. that this was a rebuild season and we just did it up front, then you know you you know you kind of know what kind of team you have, and if you could get eliminated early and then start building momentum, you can finish you know your season thirty and ten <laughs> and end up with a boatload of ping pong balls. How did you tank? How do you you, you know play you, all your young players? Okay, that was it. But there is is it uh, you send out a memo or you just say no no because the guys once the guy walks on the court they're going to play the hard out particularly the young guys because they have something to prove. So, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, um, Yogi Ferrell, there, there's nothing you could say or do to them to say don't play hard or try to lose this game. That wouldn't be right, in, and I don't think any NBA team would ever do that. But- now, don't they know, though? Like, if I know that's what you're doing, and everybody knows, ah, well, you don't really tank, you just play all the young guys, don't all the young guys look at one another on the court at the same time and go, wait, we're all out here together? Like, they don't care about that. Where's Dirk? Right. Like, that doesn't set in? Or is it maybe, you know what, I'm not a professional athlete. Maybe are you so competitive that it just is like, you know what, I don't care. I'm out to get mine and maybe get the hell out of here where they're not trying to lose games. I, yeah, I guess maybe that's what happens. But when you have Salah Mesri shooting threes. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good thing. Yeah. I, I, listen, I, this I, is complex. Yeah, it is. It's not. It's, there's not an easy answer to this because – 
uh, from an individual team's perspective, I understand 100% but t- tanking. I get that. League-wide, this is bad. You don't you don't want that to be the the thought in your fans' head that there are teams out there, and it doesn't matter what team it is, whether it's the Mavericks, whether it's the Bucks, whoever it is, you don't want teams or fans thinking that there's teams intentionally losing because at that point, where's the integrity line? Like, why? Well, if, if, if you're screwing me over here, how else are you screwing me over? Is this right. whole thing fixed? I mean, is this whole thing? This is what I love, is that people tell me all the time, sports can't be fixed, point shaving doesn't happen, none of this stuff goes down, and yet, look how easy it could be. You see what I'm saying? This is what I'm always, I don't know if leagues are fixed, I don't know if team. I know men are fixed. Now, he, he, he draws attention and, and brings up the fact that this isn't us telling guys go out there and lose. This isn't us saying to them, don't put effort forward. Putting our best foot forward. Is that okay? I mean, like, listen, when you know you've lost a game, you when, when you know you've lost a game and it's yeah. it's the third quarter and you're down by 25 points and you're like, dude, let's put, put the bums in. Not even put the bums in. Let's put the young guys in so they can go get some game experience. Whether you're up or down, dude, once you've won or lost that game, you say, hey, let's put some of the young guys in. Is that tanking? The problem is, is that once you, once you say we're going to put the young guys in to get some game experience, that is so needed in professional sport that it overshadows everything. Everything else, people go. Well, yeah, I mean, they do got to play. They do. You know I mean? There's exactly. no. You can't. You can't recreate game conditions without games. So you can't. You, you got to do that. So the problem is, is that once you use that argument, it does. It kind of like puts a bandaid over the stuff that you're doing. That's not great. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I I understand why the NBA. Um, They're gonna hate this. Yeah, of course they do. They have they to. Have to hate. They this. have to. When you, when you already have a dialogue going around in the sports world right now of. The NBA is not as competitive as it could be. The NBA has... The regular season doesn't matter. regular season doesn't matter. There's guys resting on a regular basis, not taking things seriously. And now to find out that, you know... I mean, you know, Dallas Mavericks haven't... I think it was 2011, 2012 when they won that... When they won their title. Um, But still, like, a pretty big team, a pretty well-known team. Obviously, a huge market right there. Um, Star power just based on Mark Cuban alone. I was going to say, you could make the argument most recognizable owner in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, he's on Shark Tank. Yeah. I'd like to say Dan Gilbert's up there, but dude, Mark, Mark Cuban's on a TV show. I mean, think about how many times Mark Cuban was involved in in the in the election this year. Think about how many times he was on CNN. People and were asking him to run. And I mean, well, is, is that going to be the next step of Mark Cuban's career? Which I, I, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be crazy. He he has said no, but that's what they say. But why not? You know what I mean? Like ego will take hold at some point. Yes, right. And if you just saw a dude who was an executive. And a billionaire and a, a celebrity become the president of the United States of America. You, as an executive billionaire with celebrity, is going to be like, well, why couldn't I do that? So of course he's he's rolling that idea. Yeah, because what that. you're going to say is it, and and I'm well intentioned. You know what I mean? That's right. what that's what Mark Cuban's going to say. Right. Uh, yeah, this is a bad look for the NBA. It's also a bad time mm-hmm. for him to be saying it. These playoff games are actually getting really good TV ratings, mm-hmm. and you're getting ready to. I, I would imagine if it ends up being Golden State and the Cavs, which it you will. know everybody says it's going to be, it will. that rating will be monstrous, monstrous. It's the rubber match. And so it, it's it, it'll be that oh my god I bet that'll pull god that might get a 25 share. I mean it right. might be that big. And so at that point it, it, 
does this does the rest of the stuff matter? The, the NBA is in this weird predicament of I think they face a unique challenge when it comes to stuff like this because the NFL you have so few games when you only have sixteen games you don't necessarily they all it, it, every down counts you're not tanking teams don't do it in the same way which is weird because as the worst team in the NFL you're guaranteed the number one spot in the draft as the worst team in the NBA you're not necessarily guaranteed the number one spot because they have the lottery system in place and in baseball. You, the draft not nearly as important as in the other two sports. No. You, you don't have one guy that can come in and save your team in baseball like you can in the NBA. So they do their best in the sense of we don't want teams to tank. We don't want teams to, to, to bottom out. But, like, how do you prevent it? How in do you the, stop them? In the NFL, it would be more noticeable to fool out on tank because it's effort, it's speed, it's this and that where dude, you tell LeBron James to miss free throws. <laughs> you know what I mean? You tell an NBA guy like you can miss a three, you could jack up more threes than you would. It's not going to be as it's not going to jump off the TV screen as easily as tanking in the NFL would. Have the Cleveland Browns not jumped off the TV screen as a team who's thrown away this past season and throwing away this Next season? Because I'm going to disagree with you, dude. I feel like the Cleveland Browns are definitely in tank mode. They know they're not going to win a lot of games. Therefore, they're not going to try to win a lot of games so they can add more talent to their team. I think the Browns are in tank mode. Well, they've been in tank mode since 1999, but... A little longer than that. I I think... I think... No, because... I think they're just bad enough not to win. are, Are the Browns doing everything they can to win every game in front of them? No. I can't say that. So is how's that not tanking? When you're not doing everything you can to win, feels like feels like you're trying to lose for a reason, you know, a strategic losing. I mean, do they went through six quarterbacks last year? I don't think that's because you're trying to tank. I think that's lack of ability. I think that's lack of talented players. I can't debate that either. The, the you know, what I mean, you go through six quarterbacks. That's not because you're trying. You could tank a season with one quarterback. You get six quarterbacks hurt, it's because your team's not talented. That's what I would assume. I don't know. I've never coached a professional football team, but any minute now it should be my turn, I would think. (laughs) I would think. Rock on the range this weekend. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with the hole from Soundgarden and Chris Cornell losing his life. We'll actually uh, play you a little bit more. Chris, you're getting like a stone from Audio Slave next on Rock 106.9. Stansberry Show on Canton's Rock Station. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. We have reached out to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. He has agreed to join us 8.20 this morning. Going to look back at uh, Game 1 from the Cavaliers. What might be uh, waiting for them in Game 2? We'll find out. Talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. 820-810, you get your uh, next shot at $1,000 with our Workday Double Pay. Another keyword headed your way. If you're just waking up, you may have not heard yet. Frontman for Soundgarden, Audio Slave. A few other projects as well. Chris Cornell has died. Uh, There are reports that it was suicide. Again, I personally have not seen a confirmation, but I I guess I could see that. You know, only being 52 he was. Right. Um, my first thought was drugs, because the, when rock stars die, that's just what you think. Yeah, it's just what it is, you know. Yeah. So that's naturally what I thought. I um, I was a bigger fan of his album that he did with Timberland than most people. Like a lot of people, like just hated on the idea of it. Right. And I remember when the label I was working in another radio station, and the label brought it in. I was the music director there, so I like I was involved in the decision making of what got played on the radio. 
And um, which is why it sounded good. And <laughs> just just saying, yeah, just saying, yeah. Um, but I remember when the label brought that album in, and I, I remember saying to him, I said, uh, I said this shouldn't be good, but it is. Like, but I said it's, it's like it's not right for rock stations, and like top forty stations aren't going to want to get on it. So what are you going to do with it? He's like, well, you know, it's Chris, it's Timberland. They both have fan bases. We feel like yeah. it's going to reach its space. And Scream was the name of the album. It was also the single, which I still love that. So I've, honestly, today, I will probably spend a lot of time listening to that record. But, um, you know, somebody hit me up during the one of the breaks and said, don't get me wrong, this is big, but Scott Weiland was bigger. That was a bigger loss. Now... I would have to admit that working in rock radio, Stone Temple Pilots feels like the bigger band as far as like music that still gets played a ton, but I liked Soundgarden more. I always found Scott Weiland, even though he's an Ohio guy, I always found him to be a little annoying. Like, I liked STP, don't get me wrong, they were good, but they were probably my least favorite out of that whole scene. More commercially successful than yes. Audio Slate, or than uh, Soundgarden? It had to be, right? I don't know, dude. I mean, Soundgarden had some pretty big hits. I mean, Black Hole Sun's still a staple of rock radio. I mean, uh, one of the songs that you as a rock station have to play. That one. Right? What's the other staple that feels like... Now, you and I would say, dude, what do you mean we don't play Outshine? Yeah, Outshine, Spoonman. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but... Spoonman, staple... But if you're talking Stone Temple Pilots... Stone Temple Pilots has more of the, well, you have to do that. Yeah. Now, I would rather hear the Soundgarden stuff. I always thought, I always felt like STP was a little overrated. And I was like, well, like why it's Sour Girl? I'm like, why are these songs popular? Like, they're not even that good. But, I mean, obviously, you know, Dead and Bloated is a song yeah, you that's have, a great song. Is a song yeah, you that's have a great to song. play from them. Um, Creep is a song you have to play from them. Pretty Penny. All, yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, they just were more of... commercially successful. I don't think they were as good. No, they're not as good. Remember this one from Cornell? Yeah. He was so good. He was, dude. Could do it all. Didn't he do Billie Jean? Wasn't that him that had covered that? Yeah, when you hear her sing this, you want to, like, kill her. But he can sing anything. And so now, like, he did a great rendition of this song. Um, One of the things about Chris Cornell that really set him apart. I can't believe we have this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where who, we got when, it either. Who was cool enough at Rock 106.9 that not named us to do this? Tip of the hat to Fishhead right there, I assume. Had to have been, right? yeah. Right? Um, but the thing that kind of set Chris Cornell apart, I feel like, is, you know... Obviously, the guy had a fantastic voice, and there's plenty of, of guys and you know rock bands that have really good voices. But Chris Cornell, like as a kid, was like classically trained yeah. as a musician. Right. It wasn't just you can like, tell. It wasn't just like, hey, this guy's good, and we're gonna go put him up on stage. Like this guy had been trained for it. This dude had 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 you know learned from like people who really know something about music, not just hey, here's a guitar, go pretend to be your favorite. Go band. out in the garage and learn. Right. right. No, this guy knew. music music on another level which I mean which is why I always viewed Soundgarden 
as the more musically complex, as the more, like, there was just more depth to sound. There's Garden more depth to them than STP, for sure. Then I feel like most of those of those Seattle bands. There's I, honestly, the shallowest of the pools would be Nirvana. I felt like every Nirvana song, pretty much the same song. Oh, Nirvana was a puddle more than they were an ocean. They were great, and they were influential, but that's a puddle. Like, they were right. Dude, Nirvana was the 90s Beatles. They never strayed. Here it is, the 4-4, straight, three and a half minutes, bam, in, out, chorus, verse, chorus. I mean, they, I mean they, Nirvana was paint by numbers. They were great at it, but they were paint by numbers. I'm not, yeah, Soundgarden was a little something extra than that. I, Alice in Chains was probably my favorite Bands like catalog as well. The Screaming Trees were my favorite band out of that era, but nobody has any idea who the hell they are. But that was my favorite band of that era. But then out of the big ones, because like, all right, so you got the big four of like thrash metal. So like the big four of the Seattle scene would have to be Nirvana, right? Soundgarden, Soundgarden. Alice in Chains, and Pearl, Pearl Jam, Jam. Right? You have to put Pearl Jam. Those in are the four. So even though STB super successful, I can't. Yeah, I would have to put those four. Now think about this: we'll never get that tour. And we'll can, never get that tour. Can, so stop when bands go out on tour and they all go out together. You're making fun of them and uh, like uh, cash grabs and all this stuff. Because now, right now, the same person who's going to bitch about stuff like that wishes there was a big four Seattle version coming. Don't you? Yeah, you do. A lot of people bummed out. I know one of our uh, heavy listeners, Chris, um, he was going to go see Soundgarden for the first time tomorrow night. Oh, like That was his, brutal. like, he's like, dude, I was so pumped about it. Rock on the range and wake up to this. And somebody says maybe they'll get Chester Bennington to come in and replace him, too. No, that's honestly, that would be disrespectful. Yeah, don't do that. Dude, I, I've told people this forever. Chester Bennington cannot sing a lick. I've seen them live five times. I've never seen Linkin Park be good live ever. The only thing that I'll say about Linkin Park, it's they're a high energy, like fun yes, band. It's to see, fun to see, but they're not good. No. Chester Bennington is this era's Vince Neil. Big, huge star from a big band, all that stuff, but can't sing a lick. Motley Crue is one of my favorite bands ever. That's how you know I'm being fair about it. Vince Neil cannot sing a lick, never could. Soundgarden's good, man. I'll tell you another thing that we haven't even mentioned yet is Temple of the Dog, because he was part of that project. And one of my favorite songs from the 90s era comes off that album. It's called Pushing Forward Back. We don't have it. I already no. looked. We don't. I already looked. If we had Pushing Forward Back, I might have played that four times today. Dude, look that up on your own. You're going to love it. Really good. Dude. Yeah, Soundgarden's man. He was great. Really good. It was the whole reason I was going to Rock on the Range. Don't get me wrong. I want to see Metallica, too. I could care less. Not that I could care less. I shouldn't say that. But Saturday night doesn't really do it for me. Corn's great. Don't get me wrong. But when Corn comes to Blossom, I'll go. Corn wasn't going to get me in my car to go to Columbus. Soundgarden gets me in my car to go to Columbus. Not anymore.
But, dude, the thing is, is you might want to play your cards and go Friday. Why is that? Because if they do do the Dave Grohl Super Friends group and Which they have... I, I say that's what you do. Get Dave Grohl and get him to put together like a super group of 90s dudes and get him out there and do a medley. Dave Grohl, Vetter, and, uh, and, and, and Jerry the survive, Cantrell from surviving Allison members yeah. of all the other bands. Sure. Get the Soundgarden guys to play in the background. We'll put them all up there together. And you're, if you miss that, you're going to totally regret that. Is that what they'll maybe do, though, is just have Soundgarden, the band play, get every like lead singer from all the bands to come in and do one of and the do songs? do one song? Maybe that's what they do. Are the guys in Soundgarden going to be up to it? You know what I mean? Like I know sometimes with... Play through it, show must go on, maybe? You'd think, but at the same time, some people mourn in a different fashion, and if they're like, dude, I can't go up there and, and go play Burden in My Head. Like, I can't do that. Joe writes in and tells me Aaron Lewis could pull it off. No, he couldn't. No, he couldn't. <laughs> Mike could pull what off? Could pull pull the, the, the last band off the stage and say, come on, pull what off? That's a terrible idea. Aaron Lewis could not, he not. It's not big enough. Not even close, dude. That's what's going to happen. Not is even that close. You, could, you would look up there and be like, oh, okay, they got Aaron Lewis. And then two songs in, you're going to look at your buddy while you're drinking a beer, what? and you're going to say to your buddy, really? They could only get Aaron, Aaron Lewis, Lewis to do that? that that's what you're going to say. Aaron Lewis has been known more for his country music than he has in the last five years over his rock music. I can't think of him. Honestly, since it's been a while since I could list the last Stain song. Joseph says, Jesus Christ Poe is my favorite Soundgarden song. That one's damn good. I like Rusty Cage, personally. Um, Outshined was great. The Day I Tried to Live, Blow Up the Outside World. That might have been Temple of the Dog, too, right? Yeah, I think that was Temple of the Dog. Um, but what a great singer. Uh, one of the guys I was lucky enough to interview, and we were talking about it earlier, I, I wish I would have got more pictures. All of the, like, the former crew of that radio station all have those pictures from 2009 when he was in the radio station, and I don't have mine today. I actually reached out to the girl that was on that program with me back in the day, and I said, hey, do you still have this? I kind of want this. Um, so I'm, I'm totally turning it into one of these people I always bitch about when somebody dies. I'm like, Jesus, how annoying are you going to be online about it? But, I mean, this was like this was my high school years. This, I mean... Those are formative. What a bummer for Rock on the Range attendees, man. It's just going to feel like a giant hole. I think what they'll probably do is get the guys in the band to play. And yeah, they'll get Taylor from the Pretty Reckless to sing Black Hole Sun. And yeah, I honestly, it's time for the Pretty. That's who they were on tour with. They were in Detroit with the Pretty Reckless. So somebody paid Chris Cornell to take the Pretty Reckless on on tour. I'm so ready for that girl to be done. I, I can't for the life of me figure out why that band's a thing. No wonder Chris Cornell couldn't go on. Oh, oh my God. I have too, to watch this again. Hashtag too soon. <laughs> hashtag too soon. We'll get you hooked up with $1,000 with our workday double pay. That happens next on Rock 106.9. That affect modern culture. What did I just say? The Stansberry Show on Rock. 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show, Rock 106.9. Uh, about 15 minutes or so, we'll talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com, get his uh, take on Game 1, Eastern Conference Finals, what may lay in front of LeBron James and company for Game 2. Also about to get you hooked up with $1,000 here shortly with our workday double pay, but that has to wait just a minute as we're joined now in studio, showing up a little early for his shift. Fishhead joining us now uh, this morning, obviously due to the Chris Cornell thing. Um, you're one of the biggest music heads I've ever met in my life. Like legitimately, I, yeah, I do a lot of music. Yeah, sure. you. Yeah. I mean, you go to you go to more concerts. 
um, than most guys our age do. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? You're still I'm a little older than you, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to well, give it to funny, you. Here's the funny thing. My, this, this morning I was talking to my son, Alan, who yeah. you know, yeah, about, you know, Cornell passing away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, he's 52, Dad, your age. I'm like, thanks a lot, son. Oh, <laughs> man. To be expected, right? Man, my yeah. age, but yeah. Just, you know, so. just breaking balls there. So, like, I, I figured this would would probably hit you, because like I said, you're a huge music head. So. Actually, yeah, my, my son is more upset. He was, like, legitimately upset this morning. And uh, it bothers me, too. I mean, you've got three of the big four of the grunge gone now. It's you can crazy. never do that tour. No. Like, the big four tour with Metallica and those, like, the thrash metal band Slayer and that whole thing, you can never do do that for that grunge era, which I think is sad because it it was short lived, right? But so powerful, so impactful when you think about the fact that it ushered out hair rock and kind of like started this new thing. And you can never have that touring package now, and it just kind of bums me out. Yeah. Now Allison Chains found a, a decent replacement. I mean, they, they sound yeah. really good with uh, Duvall, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but you can never really replace Lane Stelly. You certainly Hard cannot replace Chris Cornell. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so for you, as Fish said, joining us now, for you, where is Soundgarden in like the hierarchy of like that Seattle sound? Uh, truthfully, uh, people don't like me for this, but Nirvana's on the bottom for me, Okay, oddly enough. Uh, Change is my favorite, then it would be Soundgarden, then Pearl Jam, then Nirvana. Strangely enough. I, I will only swap out... I will put Pearl Jam on the bottom. I'll take Nirvana first, but I'm with you. Yeah, okay. we were talking about I it earlier. I, they're probably my favorite of that era. Nirvana definitely the shallowest of all those bands. Not partially because you know the shortest lived of all those sure. bands. You don't have as much to look at. But I just think the depth of Soundgarden has to, for me, put them at, at, at not the top, at least at the one B spot. There. Yeah, Fantone's like, been saying all day more musically complex than the rest of those. Yeah, absolutely. And I, so, I agree with that. And yeah. so you you know you'll you'll bump them up. Few notches for that, and I think you gotta. I mean, if we're just talking about Chris Cornell too, you, you got to give the guy credit for Audio Slave. I mean, those were great albums. I know it's very easy to be like Soundgarden, 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 but dude, I mean, I, there's a ton of great stuff from Audio that Slave. That first Audio Slave record, I love. It's you, phenomenal. You get yeah, Cochise, yeah. Show Me How to Live, mm-hmm. I Am the Highway, mm-hmm. Like a Stone, Set It Off, which is one of my favorite Chris Cornell songs yeah, of dude. all time. Good Good stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> Gasoline off of that album was. So I can't believe Gasoline off the first Audio Slave album didn't become a single. I can't believe because that song was so good. And there's another one, Show Me the Light or Out of the Light. That was really good. Um, yeah, Audio Slave. I wish that would have been a thing a little bit longer. Actually, yeah, it's a I, solid album uh, from you yeah. right, from start to finish. I, I mean, thought that it first record off was so a little good. bit on the third record. I would say the yeah, album's pretty good too. Yeah, the second album was pretty good. The first one I just think is so so very good. Two of the arguably greatest of all times at their position in rock and roll with Chris Cornell and Tom Morello in there. I mean, how were those albums not going to be good? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Just such yeah. talented musicians. Too much stuff going on there. Too much talent for that not to work out. Fish, I appreciate you joining us sure, uh, for a few minutes. Question. Question. What, yeah. is, what is Eddie Vedder thinking this morning for God's sake? <laughs> Poor guy. He's, he's the sole survivor. I think honestly, Eddie's obviously going to be sad. Right. But I think he's going to call the guys in the band and go, look, let's go get this money and get it now right. because yeah. look what can happen. And so I was telling people earlier this morning, quit knocking these bands for going out and doing 300 tours. Quit knocking it. Sure, because- but, but Pearl Jam is one of those bands who have remained viable the entire time. I mean, well, they're the only one left that actually... That was doing anything new, yeah, really. Exactly. I mean, Alice in Chains, I know they put out re- records well, and did, stuff, yeah. but it's... With a it, different singer, it's not exactly it's, the same. Yeah. It doesn't have the same passion behind the project. Right. People will still go see them. I'm not sure the passion for the new product is is there with, like like it is with Pearl Jam. Uh, I agree with that. I, it. I think Eddie Vedder. You may see a surprise 
performance maybe Friday night at Rock on the Range. I don't know. I don't know, but how cool would that be? As long as Pearl Jam's not playing somewhere else. Or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 we better check yeah. The logistics of, of that are, are I guess tough, in today's right. day and age of the internet, I may have should have checked out touring <laughs> schedules. <laughs> Let's get you hooked up with this $1,000 right now. The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. Normally it's Mondays at 820, but today, willing to... Uh, amend his schedule for us is Scott from waitingfornextyear.com because the Eastern Conference Final started last night. Cavaliers win 117-104, uh, was it? Yeah, I believe so. Is that what I have? 114? It was like seven points, I believe. And uh, it seems like it's all systems go for the for the Cavaliers. Scott, thanks for joining us, buddy. Um, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see where Kyrie ended up pointing at the scoreboard for Isaiah Thomas? And like, I guess Isaiah was running his mouth. You can see the video. It's up at WRQK.com. And uh, you see Kyrie point at the scoreboard. And he tells him, he's like, scoreboard, dude. Like, you just don't normally see that in pro games. I thought that was awesome. You you see it when it's a pro game, but one team is acting like complete amateurs because they have no other way to try and compete. And I think that was one of the main concerns with, you know, when, when we're talking Boston versus Washington and who you wanted to play, you know, Washington was physically probably the tougher matchup because of their guard, but their guard play. But the wild card with Boston is, and, and it, it's just the, the physicality and the way that they try to get in the head of the Cavs because they just can't compete at, a, at, at the basketball level. Um, and, you know, Marcus Smart and, uh, Jimmy Butler had something very similar, um, you know, in the in the first round, right? When uh, you know, so I mean, they 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 have a history of doing this, and when you're Isaiah Thomas and you're shooting two for eleven, I think to start the game, um, you know, you don't have much room to run your mouth, and so smart of Kyrie for rather than you know, Tristan said it as well, you know, we're we're too good, and we know what's at stake to to retaliate to that nonsense. And, you know, good on Kyrie, who, you know, didn't have the best game, but, you know, his, his team was up, I think, by like 26 at the time and, and wanted to, uh, you know, remind him that they should probably focus much more on playing basketball than, than running their traps. The other day, the NBA lottery happened, and I came on the air after finding out Boston had the first pick, and I said, this, this is great for the NBA, it's great for LeBron James, and it's great for the Eastern Conference. I know that Cavs fans want sweeps because you want easier roads to the NBA Finals. But if you're a sports fan, what you want are great games, great matchups. And I think the Boston Celtics getting better only helps LeBron's legacy and only helps the, the ratings of the NBA. I, the super team is like the new thing in the NBA. And I think it's bad when the NBA has two super teams. But if you end up with six of them, now all of a sudden it's an interesting league again. Am I wrong? No, and the, the hard part is, and the boss, this, and this is where Boston. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do here because I think they're going to take Josh Jackson. Well, while they have the, the the capital to be very, very good, in you know, in the coming years, a lot of people are looking at this team as like, oh, they're an Eastern Conference Finals team, and they get you know really good draft picks coming up potentially. Right. Two, you know, it, you know, I, I don't know where the where the Nets one shook out. But they also have a lot of guys coming up on, on contract renegotiations and salary cap issues. And like there's a good chance they don't re-sign Isaiah Thomas after next year. So if you, you can add these guys, but it's not going to be to this roster. And I think that's where things are going to get really dicey. Because they have, they have the space to add a max player this year. But just like you and I were talking a week or so ago, just because you have max money and you can throw it around doesn't mean you're going to get a max guy with that. And that's true. 
you know, bo- you know, Boston. So we were talking, you know, what, what was it? If you're, if you're, if you're not like one of the top two or three teams, don't worry about trying to compete, but are they going to throw max money at Gordon Hayward? Does, does Gordon Hayward make them better than the Cavs? I, I, I just don't, I just don't see it. And I, so I think it's good. And I think Boston has a chance to be a super team. But it's going to be very interesting to see what Danny Ainge does over the next year or so. Ah, dude, you got a lot of you got a lot of work to do before we start throwing around the word super team in the Boston Celtics. If you ask me, man, I a lot mean, of what ifs. Uh, yeah, I mean, ifs, ands, and buts. If they were candy and nuts, right? But you know, last night, I, I, I obviously, you know, the greatness of LeBron James. It's one of those things we have to sit here and appreciate while it's happening. Take it and, in, dude. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about that. Uh, but I want to talk about the performance of Tristan Thompson last night and how important he was. And once again. Again, spitting in the face of haters and letting him know, or letting them know, uh, number one, the paycheck is earned, and number two, the Kardashian is earned. Talk a little about Double T and what he did last night. <laughs> how do um, I earn the Kardashian? You know, go, go ahead, Dan. What were you going to say? I, how do I earn the Kardashian? Please t- 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 teach me the ways. I, I, want, I want inside the Kardashian. Drop uh, 20 and 10 in, a, in an Eastern Conference final I'm game. Up. Um, I can do it. The... Uh, the, the 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 cool part is, and we're just, just like we're talking about building super teams and adding players. You know, they spent a ton of money on Al Horford, right? You know, and then and, and brought him over, and he was supposed to be the guy to put him over the top. And Tristan Thompson dominated him last night. Um, you know, I mean, you, yeah, they don't run a lot of plays for him, and he has to do a lot of stuff kind of in the open floor. But he was making such good decisions in space with the ball, whether it was taking it himself or kicking it out to someone else. And he looked he looked like an all star um, last night. And, it, and it's tough to say because the guy. It just has to kind of scrape his way to everything he gets. But, I mean, he looks so, so good. And he, and we, you know, we had a piece on him a couple weeks ago. You know, we had talked about how I thought Kyrie was the second best player, but one of our writers had Tristan Thompson as the second best player in the wow. playoffs thus far. And I don't, I don't think you can argue with it. Um, you know, consistently just doing what he does, you know, he's a matchup for, for matchup nightmare for a lot of people defensively because he can cover so much ground, cover, cover so many positions. That you don't take him off the floor, and then when he's hitting his free throws and he's going perfect from the floor, I mean, when you have the big three, and then you have a guy like Tristan who can do that, or a guy like Jr. or Corver, whomever, it's always someone else. Last night it was Tristan, and it was a really, really, really good sign to see from someone who, you know, it was Kelly Olynyk who got Boston there, and then he dis- he was nowhere to be found last night, as as Tristan Thompson, the, the scrappy guy who can't really shoot, um, you know, took control of the game in the post. I um one of my buddies last night made this point and I, I really do have to agree with it when it comes to double T is at this point he's starting to look like the non crazy Dennis Rodman to LeBron's Jordan. And it's just a beautiful thing if you ask me, watching those two dudes out there together barking at each other. Um when he had that foul in the paint, dude, you could just tell he was telling everybody, Al Horford, Kelly Olinick, Crawford or dude Crowder, just stay out of my paint, dude. This is where I live and you can stay you can stay the F out of it. Um another cat that made a big impression last night. Obviously, Kevin Love had a super efficient game. Uh, speak on him for a little bit. First Cavalier, I believe, not named LeBron James. I got, I got to get the stat right, just but for the sake of radio, um, to have thirty and was it no? Was it uh, whatever stat line he put up? Let's put it that way. Um, since Brad Doherty in nineteen ninety three. So that like the, so the kind of numbers he put up last night were LeBron like numbers and just hadn't been done by another Cavalier in 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 twenty something years, which is incredible. I mean, we and we talked about it on Monday. You know, when you're talking about next level with this team, it has to be from one of those two guys. And Kevin Love was just unstoppable from the wing, just did it all. You know, again pulling down the boards. He's he's 
he seems to just get 10 boards. It's almost like he starts the game with 10. You know, you, you look at the box score and he just, so you, he slowly just picks them up. You know, you watch Tristan Thompson and it's, 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 he's an incredible guy to watch because they have to put two guys on him to box them out. But meanwhile, Kevin Love's doing the exact same thing and then pouring it in offensively. So great game for him. Great to see. Um, you know, typically he starts off strong and then kind of they, they start to run away from him throughout the game. But last night was, you know, he had those, what, three or four straight balls in. He's, you know, trying to take heat checks and stuff. I mean, it was just a lot of fun to see him kind of start clicking against the team that, you know, pretty much ended his chance to uh, get a ring two years ago. So, you know, I know they won't talk about it. They, they, they say the past is the past. But you have to assume it was pretty sweet to see that happen against the, against the Celtics. Guys, remember everything. We're talking to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. I want to keep with Kevin Love if I can because um, I'm hearing – and again, these are just roundtable sports shows where people really don't know what the hell they're talking about, ultimately. But people are, are, are making the argument that if the Cavaliers fall short of the championship this year, the Kevin Love's the piece you move to try to get better to do it next year. Is that true? How do you get better? I mean, I, I don't know. I, we're, if they, they fall short this year, it's because the Golden State Warriors are just a really, really good team. Um, you know, and they have legit four all-stars, you know, on their squad. Um, I don't know, you, you, and any trade I've seen, any sort of move I've seen regarding Kevin Love, it always seems to be like 60 cents on the dollar in the way of return, and I don't see how, how the Cavaliers could get better doing that. You know, it wasn't long ago where they were like, oh, trade him to Boston for Avery Bradley and, and, and you know, Jay Crowder. I don't want that. You know, so you can get better defensively. I don't, I don't, you know, is that a, is that, is that a, is that a, is that a, is that a pair of players that makes you better? I just no. don't, I just don't see it, especially given so. the way the team is constructed. Um, hey, I'm glad you bring up Jay Crowder and the, the, the reputation with him has, has been, well, he's the LeBron stopper. Um, is that, is that, I mean, I'm glad you laugh out loud there because that is a laughable thought. There's to only me. one guy that's been close, right? That's Iguodala is anybody is anybody is the question, right? I mean, it was Iguodala when LeBron was playing 46 minutes a night and had nothing left. Um, you know, there, I mean, there's been fits and spurts over the, over LeBron's career. Tayshaun Prince played him tough. You know, Sean Marion played him tough when he was in his prime. Um, but you know, it's, it's just funny now that these teams are trying to add guys as LeBron stoppers, you know, Toronto tried doing it, you know, with PJ Tucker, um, you know, <laughs> like it's just, you know, these, these, <laughs> yeah, these nice guys time. that you, that you hope can play decent defense. But I mean, if you, if you can, the trick is LeBron's going to get his, you know, you just need to make it tough for him. But I mean, there was a that that play where Isaiah Thomas was literally hanging from him as he was driving to the rim and 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 for the foul. I mean, so anything short of you know being a human cape on this guy's back, yeah, I don't know how anyone can stop him. And more power to any team that wants to waste resources in trying to do it. All right, that's Scott from WinningForNextYear.com. Before I let you go, I have one more question for you: Do the Cavaliers sweep the Boston Celtics? I'm going to still say no. Um, I don't know which. I thought if the Celtics were going to steal one, it would have been last night. Um, but sweeping is just so hard, and I think we take it for granted because of what the Cavs have been able to do right. since LeBron came back in 14. So I'm going to say no, just based out of competition. But I, I would. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they won every game by double digits. Well, we'll talk to you again Monday morning, 8:20. We'll get some more intake because uh, you know a couple of games happen between now and then. So we'll talk to you again Monday. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Thank you so much. That's Scott from WaitingForNextYear.com. Make sure you check out his site. Some of the best Cavs reporting you're going to read is right there at WaitingForNextYear.com. We'll uh, get you guys hooked up with some Temple of the Dog. As Chris Cornell, as some of you may not know, has um, well, was reported that he had died. We're hearing suicide. We don't know for sure, but you're getting Temple of the Dog next on the Stansberry Show. Now I'm hungry. The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9.
Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. Win yourself $1,000-910 with our workday double pay. This is the final week. you got today, tomorrow, and then that's it. So your next keyword happens 9-10. Should make you aware of this. Later this evening, 7 p.m., Fantone and I will be back in the Rock 106.9 studios doing a little double duty. Tonight at 7 p.m., we will do... Uh, in memoriam show for Chris Cornell. Play you some of the best Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog, audio slave tracks that we have. Tell us some personal stories, little memories. A lot of what we did this morning, we'll do again this evening tonight, seven to eight. Uh, taking an hour out of the day to show appreciation for what was a pretty big artist in the format. I mean, you know, we're that show. We tried out to like. Be overly sentimental when celebrities die, but yeah, Chris Cornell was that dude. That was a punch to the gut to wake up. Like I walked into this is how I found out. I walked into the building, and I hadn't like checked my phone. I hadn't like really done anything yet. I had like the show planned from last night. I went to bed, and then I woke up, and I hadn't like started checking everything to make sure I was on top of everything yet for the morning, and. I ran into somebody in the hallway who said, hey, I already got that Chris Cornell story online. And I just nodded through the conversation. I was like, yeah, all right, yeah, hey, thanks yeah, for Chris that. Chris Cornell, excellent. And probably, I was like, yeah. all right, well, you know, obviously I should check and see what's happening with Chris Cornell. And then he said to me, yeah, it's like I'm starting to feel like my dad, all, like, all my rock heroes are dead. And I turned around, I was like, dude, did you just tell me Chris Cornell died? Like, that's what happened? And he was like, yeah, you didn't hear about it? I said, no, I hadn't heard about this yet. And I, so I asked him, I said, we've checked, right? This isn't like a hoax. Like he's like, no, no, no. He's like, we've confirmed that, you know, Chris Cornell has died that whole thing. And it just felt like a punch in the balls to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody really expected it. You know, when, when, when you, you expecting to see him this weekend, I mean, everyone that, you know, me, you fish at everyone going to rock on the range that I know is like, yeah, dude, dude, you totally want to go see Soundgarden. Um, and obviously that will not be a part of it. Uh, rock on the range actually just put a statement out. We are devastated to hear about the sudden passing of Chris Cornell last night. He was a true hero to music, a voice of a generation. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family, friends and the entire music community. The voice of an angel now watching down on us as we celebrate and honor him all weekend long. Um, so obviously they're going to do something big. They have to, dude. I, I, I feel like you just can't move Bush up, and I'm not trying to like disrespect Bush. You just, I will. You, That's not big enough. You just you, you, you got to do something bigger. You got to do something grander than that. Um, and as far as like the you know this show and us not over you know overtly making a big deal about celebrity death there's a huge difference between you know you and i saying oh my god the mom from everybody loves raymond died right. what, a, what a horrible tragedy my life will never be the same versus recognizing an artist inside of our format passing away those are two really really different things there i don't think we're like uh, chris cornell was everything to me no that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying dude Soundgarden also, was effing awesome here's what i'll say also a lot of times when like the musician dies what do we always say? Like I said this about Kiss, right? Paul and Gene are still alive. Right. But if Paul Stanley dies, that's going to that will it, that's going to bum me out. That day will bum me out. However, I've already gotten the best of what Paul Stanley can give me. Right. I'm not sure that Chris Cornell wasn't able to bring me more of what Chris Cornell was known for. Right. 
You know what I mean? Right. Like they were still, he was still in that moment where it's like, man, you give me another Soundgarden album, there's a chance it might be really good. Oh, dude, a, a new turn Tuesday. Hey, we've got new Soundgarden coming up. I guarantee you I'd be excited. I'd I want to hear it. I don't know if it was going to be good, but I'd, I'd be excited to have heard new Soundgarden or new Audio Slave yeah, or I'm something the, like that. I'm the biggest Kiss fan in the world. You tell me there's a new Kiss record, I'm going to be the first one to tell you. Yeah, that's hot garbage. We've <laughs> talked about this in the past with other celebrity deaths. Um, you know, you, you really can't just you can't cry about all of them. You can cry about maybe a handful of them. You've got Gene, you've got Paul. Is there anybody else on your list that jumps off at you? Not that I can think of. I mean, if it's not one of these guys from the 90s when I was in high school, who would it be? Who's it going to be? Cube, maybe. When Ice Cube goes, that might be okay. like, damn, that, that's right. my childhood right there. All right, I um, I, I mean, the, the two that I definitely have on my list, James Hetfield will be a will be a kick in the balls. Yeah, that will be tough. That. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, are we agreeing on four? A Mount Rushmore? Are we agreeing on four? Is what you get? Or <sighs> yeah, then I'm taking one of the two guys from Kiss out. Right, the sticking with Gene. <laughs> no, I'll go with Paul. I'll stick with Paul. I'll stick with Paul. Give me Cube Hetfield. No actor, no, no. Oh, I, mean, I thought this was just purely musician. No, I'm saying, dude. You oh, well, four- they give me three porn stars of James Hetfield. <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? What the hell are we talking about? We'll get you hooked up with a thousand dollars next on the Stansbury Show. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show on Rock 106.9. Just hear Rusty Cage by Soundgarden there. If you have not heard as of yet, uh, Chris Cornell, lead singer of Soundgarden. Has passed away. Uh, cops are looking into it as a suicide, and I guess that shouldn't be too surprised there. I mean, he was only 52 years old. It was probably either going to be drug overdose or suicide that did it. I'm just a little bit surprised in the sense of I would expect that to happen when Soundgarden didn't have momentum on their side. You know what I mean? Like, you're in the middle of a tour. Yesterday, you're tweeting out about how excited you are to be in Detroit. You know, it just... Like, if somebody told me Chris Novoselic from Nirvana committed suicide yesterday, I'd be like, well, yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. I mean, not to be a dick about it, but, like, I could see how that could happen. But when it's all systems go for your band, you're back in the limelight, everybody loving you, but it just goes to show you. I keep trying to tell people. I keep trying to tell people this. Dude, performers are screwed up. None of them are normal. None of us are normal. It did, dude, well, your gold does not come from like these great things that happen in your life. If you're super creative, it's because you are trying to hide some of this other dysfunction or walk people all the way through it. But it doesn't come from like white picket fences and dogs in the backyard. It comes from, oh my God, was that screwed up and I got to work my way through it. So it just goes to show you. And that can be true of your friend that's not creative, too. Like, people who are going through suicidal stuff, they just go through it. No matter what's going on in their life, they can't see the good. Now, I don't know what was happening with Chris Cornell. But, that's, I mean, it, this felt like a punch in the balls today. As a guy who tries not to, like, be overly sentimental when people die, I, this did feel like a punch in the balls. And I've been saying it all day. Like, if you don't own that first Audio Slave record, go get it. I know Soundgarden's going to be what everybody's talking about today, but that first Audio Slave record was amazing. Set It Off and Gasoline are two of my favorite things Chris Cornell's ever done, and most people have never heard them. They're so good. If you don't own that record, get that record. 
Yeah, Audio Slave definitely has to be a, a part of the conversation when you talk about the... Uh, Love that band. When you talk about the legacy that Chris Cornell leaves behind, it's easy to focus on, on Soundgarden. Um, but like I said, with Fishhead, dude, I mean, you've got Chris Cornell, arguably one of the greatest rock voices of all time. Right. I don't even think arguably. I mean, if he's not in your top ten, who is? Of, of rock vocalists? Uh, who, who? Who? All right, I'm going to give you some names that are going to jump out at me as great vocal talents. And in no particular order. Robert Plant, great vocal talent. Great vocal talent. Got to be on your list. Don Henley, great vocal talent. You hate him, dude, but I'm telling you right now, what's-his-name-from-Journey was a great vocal talent. Not necessarily rock, though. Yeah, I was going to say, Don Henley, yeah, the Eagles, rock, but are they really, I mean, we're talking rock. Like, we're talking about the rock mother. We play Journey. I mean, not to be a dick, but we do. Um, the, the re- we play REM, too, though, and I'm not throwing Michael Stipe up there. I, I feel like the resounding number one across the board that most people say is Freddie Mercury. Oh, yeah. I would have forgot about Freddie, but he did. He could sing it. I mean, I'm just looking at a list right now of top tens. You've got uh, number two, Robert Plant. Number three, Axel. Number four is going to make you vomit. It's going to make you vomit. Chester Bennington. Dude, that kid cannot sing a lick. I've seen him play ten times. I've never seen Linkin Park play one good show ever. Uh, Kurt Cobain on this list. No, I'm gonna come have to, on. Just he, a That's unique voice. Fr- we're talking frontman at that point, not vocalist. Um, and Chris Cornell does eventually make the list. Uh, yeah, dude, at number any, ten. Any list of vocalists that has Kurt Cobain ahead of Chris Cornell was it's crazy. Ri- was written by an idiot. It's crazy. That's an idiot. Um, Steven Tyler. Uh, some people are talking about. Yeah, uh, dude, come doesn't, on. Doesn't make my list. Nah, it's the combination of he and Perry that make that thing great. It's not his. It's not Steven's voice that made Aerosmith great. The charisma of Steven Tyler. A lot of charisma in his voice. Yeah. Um, who do you put in front? Axel or Chris Cornell? Now, we talked about this earlier. I said Chris Cornell has four octaves. Incredibly impressive. Axel does have five. Yeah, I, I, you know, people forget because of how big Guns N' Roses became. And that you know Axel so well now. But if you really, if you're honest about it, and you think back about when you picked up your first copy of Appetite for Destruction, you thought that band had three different singers. The guy that sang, you know, Mr. Brownstone sounded completely different than the guy that sang My Michelle. It sounded completely different. Right. And I mean, the further deep into that career they went, you start throwing November Rain and uh, Patience in the mix, and it's like, God, dude, that guy's singing a bunch of voices. Legitimately, people thought Slash sang part of the first record because there was two, because of the different sounds. Uh, I know Axel's got more octaves. I will say that Chris Cornell's voice is more pleasant sounding to the ear. Now that's a pers- that's an opinion statement. But if you have more octaves, I guess technically you're a better. Does it make you better or just more versatile? It's one factor. You know what I mean? It it, It can't be the only, though. Right. That's like saying, well, dude, you know, Jordan was a better scorer than LeBron, but that doesn't end the debate. That's not the one and only thing that we talk about. So, dude, yeah, maybe Axel's got a little bit more. uh, Oh, I'm hearing Jim Morrison. Ugh, no. The Doors were a great band. Jim Morrison was not a good lead singer. He wasn't even. Dude, Jim Morrison, let's be honest about Jim Morrison, was the worst songwriter in history. He just got credit for being a poet because he took four pages of acid every time he wrote a song. No, Jim Morrison does not have a great singing voice. That's not true. That's all, that's all I have to do is take four pages of acid, and all of a sudden I'm going to be a great singer. Great, now, this dude. is coming way out of left field, but it is true. 
David Coverdale had some serious pipes, and he did. Coverdale could sing his balls off. Oh, here's another one. Dio. Dio had range, yeah, bro. Yeah, Dio could get up. Yeah, he Dio had up. range. Oh, dude, I'm missing one. Bruce Dickinson. Hello? That guy could sing his ass off and was in one of the best heavy metal bands of all time. I've maintained the best heavy metal band of all time, Iron Maiden. But... I mean, listen to Chris. I mean, he's just good. He's just good. You know who else died? Is Roger Ailes of Fox News. 77. Yeah, out. And I guess if you're facing all that sexual harassment, aren't you just... Like your heart. To, I mean, I don't mean to joke about it, but the stress of that might just knock you out. With, with yeah, yes, of course. You're 77. You're old. You see all this going on in the world right your now. Your life crumbling ar- around you. Uh, Roger Ailes, just a huge, huge part of defining what modern conservatives are today, and, and Fox News, and making it into the juggernaut that it is. It'll be interesting to see. And and, and I'm talking like during this Trump regime, President Trump's regime, and during you know this this metamorphosis that's kind of going on at Fox News right now where it'll be interesting to see what right-wing conservative talk television shows look like in the next five years because with Roger Ailes kids taking over Fox News with Trump kind of dividing what conservatives Everyone. what conservatives and Republicans and kind of putting a, a line somewhere in between there in the in between those two groups like it, it'll be interesting to see what 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 the death of Roger Ailes does to the right wing we actually have a, uh, a compilation of videos of what we did not know until now, what would have been Soundgarden's last performance, Chris Cornell's last performance. I'm tweeting those out now for you at Sansbury Show. We'll also put them up on the Facebook pages as well. And uh, yeah, Roger Ailes has passed, and uh, Chris Cornell obviously lost his life. I should make you aware of this tonight from 7 to 8. Fantone and I will be back in the Rock 1069 studios uh, playing the best of Soundgarden, Audio Slave, and some Temple of the Dog. We're going to ride out the program listening to nothing but uh, Chris Cornell music as well. And something happened yesterday to a female broadcaster who I'm a fan of, uh, who I'm a fan of Christine Leahy, who is um, Colin Coward's co-host, co-host sorry, on, uh, on The Herd was completely disrespected yesterday, and I have to get her back. So we'll do that next on The Stansbury Show. Stansbury Show on Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansbury Show, Rock 106.9. Your next opportunity at $1,000 is at 1010 with Fishhead. He'll give you your next keyword. Another reminder, Fantone and I will be back tonight, 7 p.m., uh, doing a one-hour in-memoriam show for uh, Chris Cornell. Play some of the best Soundgarden tunes. Appreciation for what Chris gave the world. Yeah, throughout the day, dude, you'll be hearing plenty of salt, of Audio Slave, plenty of Soundgarden. And yeah, you, the rest of the day we're gonna yeah we're gonna spice a bunch of it in. Yeah. As rock stations across the country should, should do, man. I mean, the guy's super talented. Obviously, a huge uh, a huge staple of our our, our, our the, the you know the cards we have in our hand. And um, it, dude, it's a loss for the for the genre, no question about it. We have the videos from what would have what would end up being. The last live performance Chris Cornell performed, those are online for you, WRQK.com in the Stansbury Show section. I've also tweeted them out at Stansbury Show, and they're also on the station's Facebook pages as well, so stay up to date via those. Right. So yesterday I was sitting around in the afternoon after playing some golf. I had recorded um, The Herd with Colin Coward because he was going to have LeVar Ball on, and LeVar Ball moves the needle. That's one of those things that will drive me to the TV because... What's he gonna say? What's he going to do? What's what's gonna be the next thing? But that's why that's why I'm 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 anti Lavar Ball. You hate Lavar Ball, I, dude. I liked him in the beginning. I genuinely did, but it, it's 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 exhausted now, dude. You've overplayed your cards. 
Um, you know, this woman's telling me to add Lane Staley in there. We we did. Probably the first time we talked about it. I, Alice in Chains is my favorite band of that era. But anyway, we're going to move forward. Um, we'll close out the program talking about Chris again. So I watch The Herd a lot. I, I like Colin. I know a lot of people don't. Um, I, I like that he's not filled with hot takes um, and that it's normally just here's what's going on. Here are the facts of the situation. Um, he can abandon his own opinion a little too often for me uh, sometimes, but, you know, welcome to broadcasting. But he's the, his show is co-hosted by a, um, a young woman named Christine Leahy. And I will tell you that she is a full-blown LeBron James hater. Like, she hates LeBron James. I would imagine that's a little bit by design just because Cowherd's such a LeBron honk, dude. He's a big, big, big LeBron dude. She also grew up in Chicago, did a lot uh, of her broadcasting career in uh, Boston as well. So, like, she's, yeah, I, I think there are other things in, in, at play there. But, you know, she kind of calls LeBron a crier and all this stuff. So they had LeVar Ball on talking about his son and then talking about the shoes that he had sold. $500. Yeah, $500 shoes. And Christine Leahy goes to ask him about the Big Baller brand. And then it got super awkward. Like, I was uncomfortable on my couch watching this yesterday. Have you sold any shoes yet? Yeah, I I sold a a good amount to me. Like I said, there's different amounts. How many? I like how he says, oh, there's different amounts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 We're aware of that. That's, that's how numbers work. That's, when you get somebody in the hot seat that does is like, oh, no, I'm about to be called out. I don't know what to do. You, like, you start reaching for straws, you know, grasping for straws, and that's what happens. There's different amounts. Have you sold any shoes yet? Yeah. I, I sold a, a good amount to me. Like I said, there's different amounts. How many? This is a guy. This, this is what I find interesting because he's lying. He's lying. If, if he sold a decent amount to him. He'd be telling you what the number is. This is the guy that will tell you everything. He's the guy telling you he could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one, that his son is already better than Jordan and Steph Curry. And you're going to tell me you won't tell me how many pairs of shoes you sold? If he sold 10000 out of the gate, you'd be beating your chest, letting him know 10000 I don't need Nike. 10000 sold. I don't need Under Armour. I don't need Adidas. Look at what I'm doing on my own. That's exactly what he'd be saying. But he hasn't sold a damn thing, and he knows it. Have you sold any shoes yet? Yeah, I, I've sold a, a good amount to me. Like I said, there's different amounts. How many? Stay in your lane. Anyways, See that? Okay, so for those of you that don't know the setup, she's actually sitting behind him in their studio, and he just like throws the hand back at her and tells her to stay in her lane. As basically, because again, what's happening here? She wants clarification of what a decent amount is. That is well within the bounds of what a reporter slash broadcaster is supposed to do when somebody's in the studio being interviewed. That is, that is well within her boundary to ask that question. How many? Stay in your lane. Anyway, it's coming to her like I was telling you, man. I don't even worry about her over there. Every time she scares me to death. She says she scares Lonzo. Lonzo's scared of me. She scares me. That's why I don't look that way. I don't look over there because she scares me. I'm thinking of Saul right now. I'm just trying. Leave me alone. Uh, uh, I'll tell you four, five hundred pair. And he pointed to Cowherd there, like, I'll tell you for right. 500 pounds. Like, I'm only talking to you, Colin. I don't care about her. And I- I'm going to make an analogy on LeVar Ball at the end of this that I don't hear a lot of people making. But it is, I, in my estimation, I think it is true. This actually goes on a little longer. They get into it. It gets real heated. He tells her, you know, it, it, you go against LeVar Ball and something's going to happen to you. And I thought he had meant that th- that this attitude I'm giving you is what's going to happen to you when you when you talk negatively about Big Baller Brand. And all she had said, and I saw the original show that he's talking about, is that 
She said on the television program that if you want to be this big brand, you want to be three billion, want to get paid all this stuff. Some of this stuff is going to have to be geared towards women. Where's the where's the big baller brand like you know yoga pants and like that? That's all she was saying. And if you look at those things, look go to UnderArmor.com, go to Adidas.com, go to Nike.com. There are women's clothing's up and down all of those things. Yes, um, but like. Does LeBron have female LeBrons? Nike's ta- Nike's taking care of this, and I LeBron doesn't have female Does, leaning t- like uh, athletic wear. Are there Kyrie's? You know what I'm saying? Like if you're looking at this from a shoe perspective, I don't think I don't think I there's think, female Jordans. Are there? I mean, oh, uh, there's not now. I don't know. I would assume. I just would have had assumed. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I um. I don't think she's out of line for suggesting that. That if you want Under Armour, if you want Nike, these are big companies, and they're going to want you to, especially if they're going to pay you $3 billion, they need, what she's saying here is, if you want $3 billion from Nike, Under Armour, or Adidas, Reebok, whoever it should be, what that, what that parent company is going to want is as many products as humanly possible right. to recoup the $3 billion. Right. I don't know why this is out of line for her to say that. Yeah, there are female LeBrons and Jordans. I just okay. Googled them. Um, That's good to but, know. But uh, Kyrie's no. You know what I'm saying? Those are LeBrons and Jordans. Those are an upper echelon. That's a little different. Those are different players than Kyrie Irving. Um, and obviously than different players than Lonzo Ball as well. Um, Agreed. I, I, I definitely, I, I'll take her point that you need to, you need to do this. And I, I, I just don't know if there's, is that same standard held to anybody else? Not necessarily, but if you're going to come on this show and you can't just act like, no, I'm only talking to Colin Cowherd, Colin Cowherd, you're not, the, you're not the director of that show. You don't have the authority to decide whether Mike two gets to say something or not. Dude. He actually put his hand up to her, her like show your mouth ish. I mean, and it came across on the TV screen as like, whoa. As I sit at mic number two with an open microphone, dude, I'm a part of this show. Right. She is a part of that show. And until Colin Goward tells her, I'll take care of this interview, you have no no grounds to be none. like, I'm not talking to As you. As the guest, none. 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 And here's the interesting thing. You bring Colin into it. As Co- it, People were attacking Colin Cowherd yesterday for not throwing him off the set. Crazy. No, no, no. Colin came back after break and addressed it. That is crazy. And he said this and he's right about it. This is the left in a nutshell. You women are dude, women are strong, independent, but then step in and protect them when somebody gets rough with them. No, she's a professional. She can stand on her own. She can protect herself. And she did. She never backed down. She kept kept coming back at LeVar Ball. It's not Colin's job to jump in and save her. That's that's what you're doing when, because what you're saying there, Left, is you need men to protect women. Um. I, I I don't I, the thing that I would say and I would kind of agree with like well Twitter should, was hammering him. It's yesterday. not so much that she's a woman or it's not so much, but it's your show that you're letting him control. That's where my that's where my point of contention uh, you could would come. Maybe in. get me with that. What the what I think with that is is what he's going is oh my god I have this huge viral thing on my hands that's being filmed and going to be shared ten million times. Let it happen. Christine Leahy is an adult, a full a full blown broadcaster has been in the industry a long, long time. This isn't some dainty little girl. That, that's a woman. And she can stand on her own. So you're either strong independent or I need to protect you. But you don't get them both. And I think, I think honestly, the herd handled that totally well. That, that thing actually gets a little bit more awkward than the, than, than the little piece we had. And I, I, this is the analogy I'm going to make on LeVar Ball. He is Donald Trump. 
And I can't believe nobody's drawing that line. He is Donald Trump. I don't have to talk to you. I'm only worried about this. And the way he treats women, I mean, dude, he goes on to say, I mean, she goes on and pushes him on the not respecting woman. He wouldn't look at her in the eye and the whole thing. And I'm telling you, if I'm Lonzo Ball, up until that that point yesterday, it's like, yeah, my dad runs off at the mouth a little bit. But if it came off that you don't want to work and respect women, Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, Reebok, they're all going to be out. They're all going to be out because who are they trying to sell that stuff to? Young millennials who are online on Twitter. And I'm telling you, it's going to come off as you were like a female basher because that's the way well, it came off on TV. You got to think too. I mean, who's buying expensive shoes? Mostly younger kids. I mean, I, I would say probably under the age of 22. So we're, we're out of the millennial conversation. But who's giving them the money to buy those shoes? Their, Their mom. parents. Their, Their mom. mom. Their mom is the one who's taking them school shopping. Their yeah, mom we're always told dad's not even there. Right. Their mom's the one who's going to be doing that. So no, the last thing you you want to do is is have the reputation of of a, a you know disrespectful to women. You don't want that. That is a bad bad business model. That guy comes off so Trumpian to me. It's crazy, and I can't believe I'm not hearing more people make that analogy with him. When I saw that on TV yesterday, I'm telling you, it was uncomfortable. And I even tweeted out, "It's like good for you, Christine Leahy, for not just giving in and just shutting up the way a lot of people would have." She went right back at him, and it's not on Colin to come to throw him off the set for disrespecting a woman. No. The grown-up thing to do is to allow the woman to do her job, which is dig her feet in and go back at LeVar Ball. You don't get it both ways, Twitter. You just don't. We'll close out the Stansberry Show next on Rock 106. 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. We're online at WRQK.com and we're not even done for the day as Fantone and I will be back this evening from 7 to 8 hosting an in-memoriam show for Chris Cornell. If you have not heard, the uh, frontman for Soundgarden has passed away. They're investigating as a suicide. I have not seen confirmation on that as of yet, but they're, um, I've seen multiple reports of it, which probably tells us that that's what happened. Uh, all of 52 years old, Chris Cornell was hugely influential in my, um, in my teenage years as like, you know, grunge kind of happened as I was in high school. And uh, like, I remember when that scene all hit and I was like, wow, things are going to be different for a little while. Um, so we'll be back tonight, 7 o'clock. I will say as we're ending the program, and I did this because people ask me all day, please say hello to heaven, please say hello to heaven. So I figured we'd end the program with that. Seems like an appropriate fit. And But if I'm being honest, and I love Chris Cornell, I've been talking about it all day. I, dude, give me Audio Slave, give me Temple of the Dog, give me Soundgarden, I'll take it all. I even like the album he did with Timberland called Scream that most people never even heard of. I loved that record. I do not like Say Hello to Heaven. It's just that never like flipped the happy switch in my brain. I always felt like that song was six and a half minutes of boring, but a lot of you wanted it, and so there it is. I, uh, where do you sit with "Say Hello to Heaven"? I mean, it's not not I'm probably not making my uh, Chris Cornell mixtape. Yeah, it wouldn't make my top ten. But it, dude, obviously, I think a lot of Chris Cornell songs were pretty dark imagery. Um, a lot of you know, you could tell the guy had his his fair share of demons right there, and felt like a very appropriate song as we uh, as we kind of you know put a bow on his life and. And, and talk about you know the influence and in the and the music that he made, and it felt like an appropriate way to end it all off. It's gonna, it's gonna be really interesting to see what Rock on the Range does, yeah. as they were supposed to headline Friday night. Yeah, and you know I've I've made this suggestion all morning. I think what you do is you get Dave Grohl on the phone, where you live in the day and age of private planes. Don't talk to me about him not being in town. I think you get Dave Grohl on the phone, and you say, "Look, man, you're one of the few names in rock that matters." Like, the reason why Rock on the Range works is because they take 
15,000 bands and put them in one place over three days. That's why that works. And so, like, you're like the one name in rock that matters. You're very much tied to the 90s scene since you were behind the kit for Nirvana. So why don't you come out, maybe play with the Soundgarden guys and do a bunch of the songs, maybe get a couple other guys from the air, maybe get a few of the Alice in Chains guys to come in with you, and we'll do a little medley, we'll do a little Seattle thing Friday night for Chris Cornell. Foo Fighters open right now. They do not have a show on Friday night. Yeah. Their tour kicks off, I think, in about a week. So they've got they've got an open open. Dave Grohl has Friday. family in Ohio. He still has strong ties to Ohio. I, I look. I have not heard this. I'm saying this is a Stansberry suggestion. Get Dave Grohl on the phone and have him rescue you Friday night at Rock on the Range by coming and maybe fronting a little bit of a sound guard. Maybe you even do it acoustic where you just kind of sit down there and do it that way. I just think he's the guy to get that done. Um, we are now done. We'll yeah. be back tonight, 7 o'clock, but we're actually off tomorrow and Monday for Rock on the Range. Going to take a little break there. Um, nice. I, I would say, you know, well-deserved, but it's not, not really. Not at all. <laughs> And it's not really. But before we get out of here, we have Rancid and Dropkick Murphy tickets. That show's July 30th. We'll get you hooked up with those. We'll take caller 20, 1-800-243-7625. And one more mention of this. Find Fantone, actually, Saturday. He'll be at the Napa at 204 East Main Street in Louisville, hanging out from 11 to 1. He'll have tickets for you to some cool stuff. Make sure you're checking out Napa and Fantone this after, uh, this Saturday, rather. 11 to 1, 204 East Main Street in Louisville. Take caller 25 on those rancid dropkick Murphy tickets, 1-800-243-7625. Aside from that, we're done for, well, not the day. We'll be back at it tonight, 7 p.m. on Rock 106.9 for Chris Cornell.